It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we are patiently waiting, Joe, for free agency, and it cannot come soon enough because there's nothing going on right now. That's fair. Yeah, there's a, well, there's CBA negotiations and voting for presidents and coronavirus and not, none of the fun stuff that I like to talk about when it comes to football. Nothing good. <laughs> were, right. were any of those things except the cba if they change the escrow rule for the bengals that could be good but we'll talk about that once it's voted on and, and we have a finalized version of the thing or not finalized version of the thing because you hear some of the executives around the league talking right now you're getting anonymous quotes or it's hard to do business right now we don't know what the rules are going to be yeah and so we'll have to see how that all plays out we'll talk about that on what monday probably Sunday maybe. We're expecting a lot of things to happen this weekend. We'll give you an outline of what to expect in the next few days in case you're not paying as close attention as we are. And we're, we're going to get back into some heavier news stuff next week. But first, we're going to get into the safety roster outlook today. And then we're going to wrap up by taking a look at the uh, Bengals all-decade team that Jeff Hobson put up because we did this. In December, I think sometime around New Year, maybe maybe in early January, we'll see how Jeff Hobson differs from us on that Bengals All-Decade team. But first, let's talk some safeties. So, Joe, there are two team captains in the safety unit, and one guy who we're expecting to be one of the leaders of this defense for the next few years. And the captains are Sean Williams, who's a defensive captain, and Clayton Fedulin, who. According to PFF grades, again, and limited snaps for the second straight year, it was the Bengals' highest graded safety. Again, on extremely limited snaps, that doesn't mean he's the best safety on the team, but PFF has argued that he should be getting more playing time as a result. Still, he's an unrestricted free agent and a special teams captain, and then Sean Williams, a defensive captain, and a guy that had probably his worst year as a starter, at least if you trust PFF, but the whole unit did not grade very well on defense. So with those captains in Fedulum and Williams, you also have second-year man going into year three, Jesse Bates, who, like the entire unit, as you said, struggled in the first half and then really turned it on, like most of the players on this team, towards the second half of the year where he really took over, got his hands on the ball a lot more, uh, didn't miss the tackles that he did in the first half of the year. So I think it's fair to label Jesse Bates as a cornerstone player. When you look at that secondary, he's the only guy signed for the next couple of years as William Jackson this is in the final year of his deal. Um, I would say Brandon Wilson was the surprise player this year. He is a restricted free agent. He's the one who led the NFL in kick return yards, but also played some corner, played some nickel role for them, came down and played some linebacker when him and Sean Williams were kind of rotating a little bit and the Bengals wanted to go big nickel. So I think they like this four-man group at safety, although it is probably a position that they could find themselves looking at 
uh, an obvious upgrade. As they sit at pick number 33 in the top of round two, is there someone there, maybe a Grant Delpit from LSU, maybe it's a Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, both seem to be sliding a little bit, thought of top 25 players, but if they're available at 33, do you pull the trigger despite feeling pretty good about this unit? It is something that the Bengals have done in the past. When they picked Jesse Bates, we felt pretty good about the safety situation heading into that year. And instead, you get a surprise pick at Jesse Bates and a surprise cut in training camp of, yeah. of George Iloka. And neither of those moves were terribly expected. When they drafted Jesse Bates, I was sitting there thinking like, man, what are we doing? Why, why are we using a second round pick on a safety? But now, years later, two years later, I've kind of come full circle on this. And if one of those guys, Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney is available at 33, I think that that's heavily considered. And even if it's not one of those two guys, you get to the next tier, the the Jeremy Chin, the Antoine Winfield, the, the D- Kyle Duggars. Those guys are even intriguing in the second round. And I think you can say even the Sean Williams pick was a bit surprising at the time. If you remember it, George Iloka was drafted. Reggie Nelson was playing really well. Uh, they didn't need Sean Williams. They took him in the third round, maybe a little bit higher than some expected also. And he ended up being a pretty decent starter for the for his time. And you said earlier, he's coming off his worst year. But before that, he's been a pretty solid and stout run defender. Maybe the only guy that's really in that secondary that's been a consistent hitter, tackler, physical defensive player. I think he can play more linebacker. That may be the area to go. If you can't get that linebacker at 33 and you can get an upgrade at safety, then you go more three safety defense. And Sean Williams does what he did last year, which he was in the box almost 50% of the time. And if you go back to Lou Anarumo and the New York Giants, Landon Collins, who was a safety and a Pro Bowl safety, played a lot of his snaps at linebacker as well. So I think it could be in the cards that you pick a safety, yet you still keep your top two guys in Bates and Williams on the field 80 to 95% of the time. And and that's if Williams is retained, right? Because the Bengals haven't been shy in this area before of letting veteran starters go. They did it with Iloka uh, to make room for Jesse Bates as a starter. So I think everyone expects Brandon Wilson to be back as a depth safety and as a kick returner because he was he was absolutely excellent as a kick returner. And I, I think that you can't let that go. He's a restrictive free agent, so it shouldn't be hard to hang on to him. He had an injury, right? Yes, end of the season. I want to say broken hand. Yeah, so unfortunate end of the season for him. And then Clayton Fedgelin, an unrestricted free agent, and wouldn't be surprising to me to see him catch on somewhere else, although I'm sure Darren Simmons will be pushing hard to get him back. But in that Lou Anarumo role, Jeremy Chin, particularly the way he tested at his size, and Kyle Duggar as well, similar testing, good size, could be really interesting in that hybrid role, even if they do choose to keep Sean Williams. So despite the roster feeling relatively set here, we have recent precedent that suggests they could shake it up, and the Bengals haven't been shy about picking defensive backs aggressively. So this will be one to watch in the 2020 offseason. Some big dates, some big happening, big news coming up this weekend, right before free agency starts, or at least I should say the legal tampering period, which sounds completely contradictory, right? Because if you're tampering, then how is it legal? Anyway, it doesn't matter. They're voting on the CBA this weekend. We got to have franchise tags labeled. We'll give you the exact dates on that. We've got to get restricted free agent tenders placed on some of the Bengals guys. We'll go over that list also. And then finally... Once that window does open for 
tampering, if you will, um, that's when visits and names and things start dropping and happening. So we've got a busy early of next week lined up. Jake, what are the dates on those exactly? You know, what's funny is we've already heard about some of the guys that the Bengals, like Derek Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's tampering here, guys? Stop doing illegal stuff. Uh, Saturday, 11.59 p.m., deadline for players to vote on the proposed collective bargaining agreement. This comes from Field Yates's tweet. He has a great summary of this. On Monday at 11.59 a.m. Eastern time, deadline to apply a franchise or transition tag. So by Monday... If the CBA is done or not, and it'll be interesting, this might get pushed again, I guess, if the CBA doesn't pass, uh, the Bengals will have to decide what they want to do with AJ Green. Yeah, because right now you've, you have the option to use your franchise tag and your transition tag, but uh, under the last proposal we saw, it was just the franchise tag only. So uh, teams can place it, but under the new CBA, they would have to make a decision. And the Bengals were never likely to use that transition tag anyway, so it probably won't matter for Mike Brown and his front office, but that is a noteworthy difference. Then on Monday at noon, 12 hours after those tags are applied, the legal tampering window opens, and this is when things will start to really get crazy, as Joe said. One minute later, Jake. I was I thought the same oh. thing, too, but then as you said that, 11.59 a.m. Yeah. is the deadline, and then noon, one minute later, you can now start negotiating with free agents. Yeah, I misread that. So it is not 11.59 p.m. I think I even said p.m. It's, oh, it's a minute before noon that you have to get those tags in, and then you can start tampering. And then Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm still at work when this happens, so it's actually really exciting. It makes... That last couple hours of work for me go pretty quick. At 4 p.m. Eastern, which is 1 p.m. my time, free agency right. begins in earnest. We'll get Andy Dalton traded to the Bears for a second-round pick and a fourth-round mm. pick. Oh, or, you're going for everything, huh? Uh, sure. Somebody Shooting somebody high. asked us today, and I can't remember who it was, so I'm sorry. But somebody, somebody tagged us both in a tweet. Would you trade Andy Dalton and 33 for both the Bears' second-round picks? And I think that that is undervaluing Dalton too much. Think so, huh? What did that look? I didn't go look at the trade chart, did you? No, let, let's pull. So looking at the trade value chart, pick number 33 is worth 580 points. If you were taking both of Chicago's second round picks, which are picks number 43 and picks 50, we're talking about a total of 870 points, which means we're 290 points in the surplus there. What is, what's, that equals out to be a, what is that, pick number 61-ish in the second round. So it's a late second round pick is what you're, the value you're getting. So you're getting two second round picks. The hard part, right, Jake, is moving down from 33. Yeah, and, and that makes it a no-go for me. Even if it is getting a second round pick for Andy Dalton, which would be great. We would be very happy to get a late second, early third for Andy Dalton, I think. It just... Uh... Moving out of 33 is a really tough pill to swallow because that's the difference of getting one of the guys that falls like Zach Bond or one of the safeties or one of the corners or one of the wide receivers and and missing altogether. And then and then maybe Jeremy Chen is an option at that point. Maybe you you end up with you know Lloyd Cushenberry or something. And mm-hmm. it's just like much less exciting for me than 33. On the other hand. You have two of those picks, so, you know, more picks is good. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, uh, I want 
the opportunity of getting a first round guy that may have fallen a bit at mm-hmm. pick 33. But to stay on schedule with the upcoming dates and right. deadlines, the Bengals have to decide on a handful of restricted free agents. Now, you can you have three options with a restricted free agent. You can put a first round tender, you can put a second round tender, or you can put an original draft tender on them. What that means is if you place a first rounder on somebody, say you really like this guy, Taysom Hill, for example, New Orleans Saints put a first rounder on him. Last year that paid that player four point two million dollars. You can assume it's going to be a little bit more than that, four point three, four, five. It's a decent chunk of money. And if a team signs him to an offer, you have ten days to match. If you don't match, you get their first round pick. Obviously that is a very rare thing. You can do the second round tender. Last year was two point nine million. I imagine that's going to get up to three point one or so this year. Same thing. You put it on them. The team signs them. You have ten days to match. If not, you get their second round pick. Your final option for a restricted free agent is the original round tender. Now, if a guy was drafted in the fifth round, it would be a fifth round pick. If he was undrafted, you get nothing. So there's a little bit of a balance there. And most of these guys are going to be undrafted. Like Alex Redman is one of them. That value last year was one point nine. I imagine that'll get into the 2, 2.1, 2.2 range. Going over the list of guys the Bengals have to make decisions on, Jake, I want to know what round tender you would put on them. You ready? All right, hit me one by one. Let's go. At the top of this list, using Spotrack, we have Brandon Wilson, safety, kick returner. My options are first, second, or original round. He was undrafted, right? Or was he seventh he, round? He was, he was a seventh round pick, so you have that option. I might go original round. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would go original round also. We're talking about $2 million for him, a guy that's a role player, but potentially a Pro Bowl kick returner if he can, you know, capture that lightning again. Tell, uh, tell me tell me again how much is the second round? Was well, 2.9 last year, so you could be venturing at like 3.1 to 3.3 range this year. So 3.2 for a second round. You're sure you're going to keep uh, – I'm not that worried about losing him. Right, because that's only a million bucks. I could see them doing it. Yeah, I do but think I, they'll use one second round tender. I just I'm not I'm not worried enough about because they can still match even if right. even if he gets a better offer they can, they still have the choice to match. Yep. Um, it's just it's I don't think that that's worth. I don't know. Maybe it is because Next. because they always float fifteen million anyway. So maybe you just go right. second round, and you have. But but that means you really have to believe that he is truly as good of a kick returner as he was and it wasn't just a flash in the pan which often it is yeah it's uh often not something that's very consistent uh, next guy I'm, I'm staying with i'm staying with original round i am too I, I'm, I'm in agreement there but i could see them doing a second and I, I it wouldn't be too surprising um the next guy i do think they put a second on. i don't want to spoil what y- your decision is it's josh tupo yep because he was undrafted so you would be risking losing everything for a guy that's a solid nose tackle at three million dollars and he's still young. I believe he's 25. Not a bad situation there. But I do think that may mean Andrew Billings is gone. Well, it depends. Can they can they negotiate with Andrew Billings right now? Because he's sure. their own. Yeah. So so this depends. If if they have Andrew Billings back, then I go original round. If they think okay. that he's going to go test unrestricted free agency, then I go second round because Josh Chipo tackled Lamar Jackson in the open field. This is true. So you would have to know what, what the situation is with Billings if you yeah. feel like you can extend him. And what's the price on that? Is it getting a four, five, six million dollars? Yeah. 
And if that's the case, then you're probably going to say, okay, I'm going to back off on Tupo a little bit. But I do think if you give Tupo $3 million, you're already paying Atkins as, as one of the highest paid players on the team, if not the highest right now until uh, Green is uh, t- yeah. officially tagged. I would say that giving him $3 million bucks would be okay. Him and Renell Wren and maybe Ryan Glasgow and maybe a pick somewhere on day three as your D-tackle group. Unless they want to come in and bring in someone completely, right? What if they let Tupo go or give him a, a original round tender and go out and sign a guy? Well, there's a couple of tackles on our list that yeah. maybe we would, um, you know, they really want to upgrade the middle of their defense. Go get Javon Hargrave, guys. Do it. That's right. All right, next on the list is Tony McRae. Uh, no tender. No tender. I'm with you on that. Alex Redman. No tender. I am also uh... with you. Or do you think two million would be worth it to have a depth guy? No, no tender. I pay, I pay him the minimum. If he wants to come back, I'd offer him the minimum. This reminds me of T.J. Johnson, where they did put an original round tender, or did they put a second on him? Oh man, I'm gonna have to look this up. But then they negotiated an extension, a two year extension, I believe it was, right afterwards. So I, you can do that. I think he's gone. I think, I think they like Mike Jordan. I think they they signed Isaiah Prince or whatever his name is, the other Ohio State guy. Yep. And and I just he's he's not their guy. I'm with you. Next guy, Greg Mitten, corner. No tender. Agree. We got Hardy Nickerson Jr. linebacker. No tender. Not even original round two million. No, there's not. A... I don't think there's competition for his services. I think if they want him back, they can get him back cheaper than original round. I do think this is a sneaky way the Bengals have spent money in the past by maybe going up around on some of these guys until it came to, was it Andrew Hawkins? Yeah, the original tendered Andrew Hawkins and just lost him for nothing rather than put a second rounder on him. Well, that was, that's ridiculous. Andrew Hawkins right. had, had value. This isn't, we're not talking about end of the roster guys. Andrew Hawkins played snaps. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of contradicted myself because I said they've wasted money here. And then they, that one, I can't believe it at the time. That was a complete shocker. I was I was upset, and then they didn't even match it because like it was like a poison pill kind of deal. Of course, yeah, yeah. And because it was the Browns, they had to. I mean, yeah. it, it was they weren't going to pay him too much. It was, Bengals may have matched it if it was a a, a more straightforward contract. Next guy, Seathan Carter, tight end, H back, special teamer, original round. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Give him two million bucks. He does enough. He's probably going to be elevated to the third tight end. I could see. Uh, he's still a special teams core player. I'm with you. Two million dollars isn't crazy, and I still think he might have untapped receiving potential based on that one play I saw at practice that one time. <laughs> no, that's sometimes that's all it takes. He, he, um, I think it was like a slot fade kind of thing, and I don't remember who he beat anymore. But I feel like it was William Jackson, right? And he, and he caught a like forty yard touchdown. There's nothing else really. There's now Scott and Javarius Lemon who are exclusive rights free agents, um, which is a little different, but not much. Means Bengals have for, like right to first refusal, uh, and they're not going to make any money. So that's it for the list. I think it really, yeah, it comes down to a couple guys there, huh? It's really Tupo, Brandon Wilson, and Seaton Carter. Yep, and maybe Alex Redman. I will not be surprised if they tag Redman with a second round. I I would not, right? Um, but I I do think Jim Turner likes him. So despite him not being their guy, that wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. Give him three million of the second round tender. That's how you waste some money. <sighs> what you're paying Redmond and 
John Miller, you could just pay Kevin Zeitler. <laughs> it's just so painful. I don't want to. You're getting depressed. I can see your face. I don't yeah, want to do that. That sucks. Yeah, so I wouldn't do it. Yeah, pass. I'm out. Let's talk about the team of the decade. And one thing that we didn't talk about at the beginning of the show is we're doing our annual mock draft again. You might remember last year we made a bull move and traded up for Kyler Murray on the locked on NFL mock draft. And for the second year in a row, we've drafted the best quarterback in the draft Hmm. Uh, because obviously we're picking Joe Burrow and that. That's going to start at the end of the month. But we we did a mock mock draft. We did a dress rehearsal just to work through the process. So we'll talk about that and talk about the options that came out of that for the Bengals at 33. And then we'll talk a little bit about Jeff Hobson's team of the decade in just a minute. One bit of news we meant to get to in the last segment about um, some deadlines and news and happenings. Compensatory picks were finally revealed and surprisingly the internet has gotten pretty close to nailing these down. Remember it used to be a complete crapshoot or at least we had no idea what it was. Now we're, I feel like people are batting at like 90% there. Um, but Bengals didn't get one, of course. They didn't lose anybody of value because their team was terrible. And they signed some free agents last year. But there were 10 third-round picks given out, which is more than normal, which means the Bengals are moved back a little bit with that fourth-round pick, the start of day three, down to pick 107. Baltimore is going to pick one spot ahead of them now. They're going to end the third round as one of the 10 teams with a compensatory pick, pick number 106. New England is in there twice, and maybe that's the Andy Dalton trade we're looking for. Yeah, the Bengals got screwed. Who'd they lose? What do you mean? I mean, they got screwed because of the three guys that that ended up in the third round. Mosley, Sheldon, Richardson, and Roger Saffold were projected by over-the-cap to return third round, fourth round pick, sorry, and they ended up in the third round. Saffold's the, the surprise one. He played really well. Well, but, like, in CJ Mo- four, I just, uh, CJ Mosley makes sense because he got paid $17 million. But what about Nick Foles? I mean, I know he got $22 million bucks, but do you come back and say, well, he got benched and they, they're they trying to trade him? How do you still give him a third-round pick for that? I thought it was only based on money and playing time. But, yeah, he didn't play. Right, he got he got hurt and then benched. So by the Bengals got screwed. I mean, they put more more third round comp picks than ever. Yeah, that's not. I thought it was six was the total before. So, uh, well, why why are the three in there yellow that we're looking at? Because Those ones they were projected fourth. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so I I thought it was normally six as a max, but they give out ten this year. That's too bad. Sign free agents. I mean. The teams that get comp picks every year are teams that are generally good. It's mm-hmm. teams that are losing guys that get overvalued, like Le'Veon Bell. Tyron Matthews is probably worth the money, but Trent Brown, uh, you know, C.J. Mosley, a linebacker. Trey, Trey Flowers, the one that I, I made Joe re-record. I'm saying it now. That was his. <laughs> But then even Earl Thomas, at the end of his career. Yeah. Plus, he missed, the, the I think, all of last year with the Seahawks. Let's look at, so so which of these were good signings? Let's look at that. Because if the Bengals are okay. going to go there and spend money. So, Quan Alexander, probably good signing. Adrian Amos, good signing. 
Not Juwan James. That went from a third to a fourth. That was one projected to be better. So no. Uh, Jameson Crowder, no. Uh, Tyron Matthew was a great signing. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought you were starting at the fourth. I'm sorry. I was. I was. But then I looked up and, like, none of the guys that are returning third-round picks. Trey Flowers, Landon Collins, Earl Thomas, I guess, was fine. Le'Veon Bell, Nick Foles. Like, most of those are disasters. Trey Flowers, I don't know. Was he Was he any good? I don't even know where he went. Detroit, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, they're picking third, and I don't think he was a factor. And where's the guys Green Bay signed? The edge players that were really good. I the problem they, is... They didn't qualify yeah. for picks. They got canceled right. out. Right, because um, the activity of Baltimore and, and um, Washington. Yeah. Yeah, sign free agents. So what's next? We're going to go over the all-decade team? No, I think let's do let's do the uh, the locked on mock mock draft. So we picked Joe Burrow first, and I I put a Twitter question out to see what you guys would say. The best players, in my opinion, available are guys like Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, Zach Bond, Lavisca Chenault, and Neville Gallimore. If you wanted to throw in Matabuke or who else? Uh, we got some other guys that people were interested in. Trayvon Diggs, Jeremy Chin. But most people say Grant Delpit. Joe, what's your what's your pick? I think it's Zach Bond, right? I actually think if I were to rank these guys, because we don't have a board yet, right? It might we be don't. easier if, once we get to, to that point. I would say the number one guy on my board based on who's available would be Xavier McKinney, actually. Yeah, I agree. I like I like him better than Delpit, just just slightly. I think they're two different positions. I, mm-hmm. I think Delpit's more of a free safety. McKinney's more of your uh, strong safety that can also do a little more box and nickel stuff. Uh, not that I would have him cover in the nickel, but he can if you need him to. Uh, and then I would have Zach Bond. So, and those would be the only three I'd have first round grades on at this yeah. point. I wouldn't have them on Chanel or Gallimore. That's you know those are the guys you, you've got listed there. Uh, so for me, I would be completely cool. And you got three first round guys available. I picked thirty three. You could argue Bond being a pass rusher may have the more value, uh, but because I think they're all in the same tier. We talked about this. They'd all be in one C for me. Yeah. Uh, in terms of grading, and so I would just say we debate who is the best fit or who what what's the domino right of of who did they? What did they do in free agency? Who are we yeah. moving? How are we getting this guy on the field with uh, with Delpit? I mean, Sean Williams plays more in the box with McKinney. He plays. He kind of replaces Williams. So you know, is that does that get him on the field right away? Does that make the impact right away? And with Bond, I think he gives you a little bit of everything. I'm always down to take another pass rusher. I think he can do more as an inside linebacker. Also, um, I still fall on take the best guy, and that's McKinney for me. I think McKinney can play anywhere, too. I don't think he's strictly a box guy. He had some really nice plays deep. Oh, I know. I just think that versatility Yeah. for the Bengals' defense, they're playing three deep guys, basically, right? Middle of the field close, which is um, Jesse Bates out there playing center field. They want to do something with that strong safety guy, and that doesn't mean that you have to. It just means that you can, which is a positive. It gives them some flexibility, too, because we we speculated, you know, is this – a single high by designers and a single high by, by limitation, by the personnel sure. they have, by the linebackers being so bad that they had to put Sean Williams in the box a ton. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, so I did email the Seahawks guys before the start. And I said at 27, depending on who's gone, we might want to trade up. Mm. And in the real world, we might talk about this. 
when we do the when we do the real version. The guys that go from twenty eight to thirty two are all guys besides DeAndre Swift that we would really like. Patrick Queen, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, AJ Terrell, and you're talking about moving up six spots from thirty three to twenty seven. So I was gonna offer him like a, a fifth. Uh, what was it like a fifth, fourth, and first for his first and fifth or something? Mm, I or see. See what first because it should it should just be a fourth, right? But you were trying to get a little creative with it and give them a little more um, boost in the fifth round. I, I don't remember what it was, but when I did the math, I was trying. To, I wanted to give them a lower round pick than I had to because mm. I didn't want to necessarily just give up. Uh, a, a relatively early pick, but anyway, would you be disappointed getting McKinney or Delpit or Bond, and then still having your fourth rounder? I don't think that's a terrible situation. I think you're still getting a first round guy. Now, if it, we've done some mock draft Mondays where you get there and there's no first round guy left, right? Um, I, that isn't that scenario for me here. So, in, in hindsight, which you want to have that ability, but uh, I think we would take this. Yeah, I think we'd be happy with it. Uh, AJ Terrell, Denzel Mims, the two guys that go right before the Bengals, those those are rough, I think. Those are the ones that kind of suck to see. But also in the first round, you have Yetter Gross Matos, who might be a second-round pick. DeAndre Swift, who who knows if there's going to be a running back in the first round. Jordan Love goes in the first round. So a little bit weird, but these are real people doing the draft. So I just thought it would be fun to talk about, you know, this is a real – not simulated. I mean, it's simulated, but it's simulated with people. Yeah, I'm with you. I also noticed how Jeff Gladney and Jalen Rager and AJ Epinesa all went 23, 24, 25. Those could be second round guys. Those could be options at 33. So yeah. um, interesting to see that they go. I, I mean, we like Rager and I like Gladney. So seeing that other people like them too is uh, comforting, maybe. I don't know. Pushes a guy definitely to us at 33. Yeah. Well, and there could be, you know, Eason. Maybe some team likes Jacob Eason takes him in the first round. Maybe maybe J.K. Dobbins surprises us and gets into the first round somewhere because NFL teams draft running backs. Dave Gettleman still got to figure out what running back he's going to pick at fourth overall, you know? So. Oh, yep, you're right. Second round. Um, let's talk a little bit about this all-decade team. All right, we'll go kind of quick on it, though, because we're getting uh, against the clock here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're at time, essentially. He did this with a guy named Michael LaPlaca, a digital media specialist. I guess he works with Bengals.com. I've never heard of him. Have you heard of him? No, but I did hear that there was somebody else that joined them, so I guess this is him. him. So the first thing where I disagree, I think, is Muhammad Sanu at receiver. Looking at our roster, we had Mohamed Sanu number four, so yeah. we had Jones over him also. I agree with Hobson here. Hobson has Green, Boyd, Jones. LaPlaca mm. has Green, Boyd, Sanu. I am with Jeff. What do we do at tight end? Same. It was Eifert number one, Gresham number two. So Hobson has two. Gresham, and, okay. and LaPlaca had Eifert. So here we're with Eifert because he was just so dominant when he did play. Gresham did have longevity, but I feel like even in his increased games, he – didn't have the production of Tyler Eifert. He didn't, but he did make a couple Pro Bowls, I think. Did we do anything different at the offensive line? Whitworth, Bowling, Cook, Zeitler, and Smith. Andre Smith? No, I'm glad they recognized Cook, though, because uh, I I remember we had comments of people su- surprised. I mean, not that there was much competition there, but Kyle Cook was pretty decent. 
And they had the same same two guys. I think we're the same on defensive end. And for defensive tackle, did we do Gino and Pecco? Pecco for we, longevity? We did. We had an honorable mention for Wallace Gilberry as they mm. end that kicks inside and rushes mm. passer. Linebacker, Vontez Perfect, Ray Maluga, Vinny Ray. Man, what a grim group that is for an all-decade team. Being the millennials we are, we only picked two guys, and it was Perfect, Vinny Ray. That's rough, man. It's been 10 years of bad linebacker play, most of that with a coach that coached Ray Lewis. That's that's rough. So cornerback here, LaPlaca, I disagree with again. He's got Leon Hall, Drake Kirkpatrick, which I think is insane. Hobson has Leon Hall and Adam Jones, which is what we had, I think. That is. We had three guys, though. So we had Jones, Hall, and Kirkpatrick. Oh, we did have Kirkpatrick. Okay, yeah. If I had to pick two, though, Jones is clearly ahead of Dre for me. So, right. We had it that way. But it was surprising looking back at Dre's numbers over the span and saying, wow, he actually you know, has compiled some decent numbers, even though it's always been the penalties and missed tackles. In coverage, he's actually decent. Yeah, well... You know, results aren't everything. At safety, LaPlaca goes Reggie Nelson, who obviously should be on the list, and Sean Williams, while Jeff Hobson goes Reggie Nelson and Chris Crocker. We differed. We did go Reggie Nelson, but we went George Iloka. And yeah. I don't remember the reasoning why, but I can say Iloka over Williams and Crocker. That's fine. But we, I don't know. I guess I would still stick with Iloka. I'm comfortable defending that. Yeah. Kicker. Nugent Huber. Nugent Huber. All right. That's it. Returner Adam Jones. Yeah, that's that's correct. We didn't do it, but that makes sense. Yeah. So that is the All-Decade team. A little quick look at the recent history of the Bengals. And uh, pretty much the same stuff we had. Yep. Nothing else here to report on this podcast episode. Nope, that's going to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow is actually going to be kind of exciting. We're going to talk about our top Bengals free agent targets. We're going to put together a free agent board a little bit. Not not with grades or anything, but we'll have a list of guys. How about I'll, once I send you the list, you rank yours, I'll rank mine. We'll do tier one, tier two, tier three. How's that? Yeah, and that I was that's how I was thinking. Of it. Anyways, kind of like wave one, elite guys. You got to yeah. go get them during the tampering period, yeah. and then there's wave two, which is you know maybe the next week, and then wave three, though. Yeah. As free agency t- starts to dwindle. Agree. All right. That's how we'll do it then. That's tomorrow. Not sure what we're going to do for the beginning tomorrow. We finally finished our, our positional review series. Are we going to do specialists? I can't talk about specialists for five minutes. No, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. Draft Tyler Bass. Draft Tyler Bass. Words to live by. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one.